Welcome to the Fundraising Elevator, where we're all headed up. This podcast is a production of ElevateNonprofit.com, an online learning platform for fundraising event professionals. We're coming to you today from the studios of the AV department. Please welcome our hosts, Kristen Steele and Samantha Swaim. Here we are. Welcome to the Fundraising Elevator, where we're all headed up. Today, I'm very excited to welcome to the show Mary Elizabeth, our partner in all things event and logistics around the biggest headache of events, which is the registration. I'm excited to have you here today. Mary works with us at Swaim Strategies and helps to manage all of our clients' work with data and guest management and has all the answers to help for a smooth event. Mary's also one of my longest friends, so welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here today. Kristen, let's do a formal bio and introduce her to everyone. Mm. This is as formal as we'll get. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mary Elizabeth is the data expert at Swaim Strategies. She believes data tells a story and that story impacts people's lives. When data is properly implemented, it informs decision-making, honors relationships with donors and supporters, and creates more informed and successful events. Mary has worked extensively with many organizations to prepare for their events using event databases. She's a certified data pro who loves taking chaos and turning it into order. Mary, (laughs) thank you for being here today. So um, let's start big, big picture. How do we make registration at our events easy? Mm. That is the question of the day. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Making registration easy is all about knowing your data and utilizing it in the best possible way. So number one, know your guest list. Know who's coming to the event and not just, you know, a name and a database. Understand who these people are. Who is attending? What is who are they married to? Who are they partnered up with? Who do they love to hang out with? Who do they like to network with? That's number one, know your guest list. That's super, super important. Uh, Number two, prepare your data. Mm. So preparing your data means getting that into the correct software system for your particular event. This is super important because if you don't prepare your data, it's going to be a jumbled mess and that will be chaotic. <laughs> I'm imagining like mise en place with your data, like mm-hmm. chopping your onions in advance and chopping your carrots in advance. Yeah. It's all about organization, systematizing and just preparing it. So that's the next thing. Next is use the right event software for your event. We're going to talk about a lot of them today. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many specific to different things that you're going to do at your event. So use the right event software. We'll give you some some tips and tricks along the way. And then finally, have a simple check-in system for when people arrive. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Well, let's let's jump into that element mm-hmm. because I think the database piece is sort of a big picture of lots of tools, lots of software choices, lots of elements that you can choose I want to include or not include. So that's kind of a bigger picture discussion. But first, just the logistics. Mm-hmm. I think that I have often been to an event where I can't even access the registration table. So mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. just sort of walk through yeah. what is a good setup for registration? Where should it be located? Mm-hmm. What are the logistics we need to think about? Yeah, well, the first thing you want to make sure that your guest feels is welcome at your event. So they need to know where they're supposed to be. Signage is sort of the first thing they see. As soon as I see that signage, I know I'm in the right place. 
Then you want to have registration. Well, you actually want to have people saying mm -hmm. welcoming, you know, and showing them <laughs> where the right place is too. So you've got signage first, people directing you. And then it's very just obvious where the registration is with more signage, with more greeters. And you, what you want is one station, one check-in station per about 75 guests give or take. Okay. So that's going to really help with the lines because you're going to, people are going to come in at the same time. So you're going to want to have enough stations to prepare for those folks. Um, so if you have like a thousand people event, you're going to want something like. Do that math quick. Yeah. Oh. Like 15, 12 to 15 guest stations <laughs> about give or take. Um, so you want to just prepare for that number that you're looking for. Um, make sure the guests can walk up to any station. That doesn't need to be alphabetical. They can walk up uh, to any station. Can we, wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Let's, yep. Can we underscore, <laughs> highlight, put blinking lights? Uh, say again what you just said. Yeah. Please. Make sure that when someone comes up to the registration table, they can go to any check-in station they want. It doesn't have to be alphabetized. It's just they walk up and they're there. I stood in line once for 20 minutes waiting to get into an event, mm. finally got up to the registration and was told that because my last name is an S, that I had to go stand in that much no. longer line because I was at the D registration oh, no. area. And I was the like, worst. the signage was not clear. There wasn't anything high enough for me to see that. And why would you have just one person helping all the S's that are coming mm. to your event? Mm -mm. The worst. <laughs> yeah. Just have it open to anyone. Um, at the same time, though, get a of a person who is really well-versed in your data, maybe probably the person who put the data in there, uh -huh. <laughs> as the, the help station person. So there's one station, maybe two if it's a really big event, one station dedicated to just helping folks if the other folks can't find them in the system or there's a question mark of, oh, I'm taking this person's spot. You want an extra help station that can be direct, everyone can be directed down there. I love that. I mm -hmm. think that it allows for us to have volunteers sitting in the sort of guest check-in role. But if there's any hiccup, there's any trouble, they don't have to hold up the whole line. Yep. They can just send them down to the person who is the expert who can troubleshoot. Yeah. Can I, I'm just thinking the helpful piece that I think we're probably um, assuming that I want to make sure listeners mm -hmm. think about is how do we enfranchise those volunteers to be able to do that mm. and create a consistent guest experience? Mm -hmm. Yep. So we want to be able to train those volunteers about an hour prior to the event. That way it's really fresh in their mind. So you train, we all get on the same page about an hour or two before the event. You train your volunteers then and you say, hey, there's a help station. So don't worry about if you can't find <laughs> anyone in the system, you can't see their name there. Just, oh, this is our fault. This is our fault, not yours. Go ahead and go down to the help station. See Mary at the help station. She'll take care of you. So just making sure that guest is feeling welcome and that they're not in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the help station is important. And then the other hiccup that happens at registration often is gathering information from the guest that mm -hmm. maybe you didn't get prior. So what you want to do with that is actually check them in and then direct them to a separate area where they just write it on a, a little card that you've already set up and a little station with pens and a little box for them to place it in. And they can just drop that information into the box and 
we had an organization that I think was the most effective at collecting that information without holding up the line for check-in in that as the guest was checking in, they got welcomed, their credit card got swiped, and then the volunteer could see if information was missing. Mm-hmm. They handed them the card and said, we have missing information. Can you please step over to the table to fill it out and drop it in the bucket? Everyone who drops their name in the bucket is mm. being entered to win for a drawing. So smart. The registration drawing was just this like added little benefit to make sure people actually filled out their information. Yes. And then on the back end, the fact that you all can gather those and put that data in while the event is happening mm-hmm. is just such an easier way than having everyone stand there and try to do it, especially over all the crowd noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people being able to actually hear and collect accurate information is so hard. So mm-hmm. that opportunity to like step away, I think is just such a valuable way to collect and gather the the details of everyone's contact. I have a little tip here though. As you're preparing your data, mm-hmm. what you want to do, because often you're using a separate event software from your normal donor database that you're using every day in your nonprofit organization, that what you want to do is just make sure you have all that information transferred over from your donor database into your event database. Because the worst thing is, is when a board member, maybe your board president walks up and the volunteer doesn't know it's the board president because they're a volunteer and they give them the contact card to fill out and the board president's like, you have my information, what the heck? Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so it's so smart to be able to prepare that data in advance and get all that information in there so that Obviously, like, oh, great, we have everything for you. You can step right in, just swipe your card. So I'm hearing a theme, like taking Mm. the data seriously and being specific, like a detail-oriented data manager is Mm. the dream. Mm -hmm. Just such an important element. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, If there are bid cards involved, let's talk about that real quick. the way to handle that, there's a couple ways to handle it, but the easiest way is to have them all in numerical order right behind the registration table, and you've got a few volunteers grabbing them. They're sort of looking over the shoulder of the of the computer operators saying, oh, I need bid number one, two, three, and the folks behind you grab one, two, three and hand it off to the to the person working the, the check-in station, and that makes it super simple. Amazing. Numerical. Don't put them in alphabetical order. Try That just creates more mayhem. So numerical order is great. And then if you have name tags involved, um, make sure they're in alphabetical order. And why don't you just go ahead and place them out so guests can pick them up themselves? Then it's just self-select and, oh, my name's not here. We'll figure it out. We'll get you a name tag. No problem. But this is where the data comes into play of like printing those uh, name tags out alphabetically, guest picks them up, moves along. Yeah, alphabetical by last name. Yep. <laughs> We've had last organizations name. <laughs> put them alphabetical by first name, and then the guest is like, I'm not here. It's like, actually. No, you're <laughs> in this group of atoms over right. here in the <laughs> Exactly. And then one final logistical piece about the actual tables for registration. Yeah. You want to set them up in one long row. You don't want to have like an L shape uh, yeah. so that there's some sort of weird, you know, uh, traffic jam going on. You want to just have it real straight, real um, in one line so people can just move along. Sometimes you can use rope and stanchion to help folks along if if your registration's in a weird spot. Sometimes yeah. you can, you can kind of work with things if you need to. But go to your venue, look at where your registration should be and have that plan for that simple flow. And do not have it exactly intersect with your bar line. Ooh. Sort of having registration 
in its own space so that you think about sort mm-hmm. of the bigger flow and sort of having folks come in, get registered, and then they can move into the party. When you have the party and registration in the same place, people bypass registration yes. and go to the party. In fact, to make it easier, bring the party to them. Bring a tray yep. of, yeah. of uh, wine and waters and all of that. That way they can just grab the wine. They're just standing in line chatting, and that makes it easier. I think L-shaped tables are a curse at events in general. Mm. It creates this like weird traffic block where if you have someone at the extreme ends of the tables, you can't get into that like V point middle. And so silent auction tables, bar lines, Mm. registration lines, anytime you have an L, it just creates kind of a a block where those two folks that are sitting closest to the V never actually have a guest approach them because the line is just like congested and blocking them. So stay away from L-shaped tables for anything related to your event. No need for L-shapes. Make the the geometry work for you. Exactly. (laughs) So I am wondering if I'm shopping a data tool, I'm at an organization, I'm trying to figure out the data tool that will work for us. What are some of the decision points Mm. I need to be considering and factors I need to be considering when I'm shopping for things that I don't always understand how they work and what the names mean and all of the things? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, The things you want to consider is, number one, how are you collecting money? So how are, do you want to collect money with a bid paddle raised in the room? Mm -hmm. Do you want to collect money with a text to give donation? Do you want folks to go on their computers when they're watching a live stream? So that's sort of one of the things, um, collecting the money. There's different um, software systems work different ways. So you can either do it, you know, through their mobile phone. Some software systems are great for that. And then, or maybe it's a manual data entry on site where they're raising the bid paddle and they're manually entering it. They meaning the volunteers who are are working that event. Um, And so that's one of the things. The other thing you want to consider is what activities are you going to have at your event? Are you going to have a live auction, a silent auction, an online auction, raffles, games, uh, a, a bid an ask a special appeal or raise the paddle. Um, those are some really important things. If you're not going to have a lot of that, you can pare down to something maybe a little less yeah. sledgehammery, if you know what I mean, right. with a Big software tool. system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's another uh, thing that you want to think about. You also want to think about, do you need assigned seating or, mm. or is it open seating? Let's talk about open seating for a second. Because yeah. Because this is something that pre- pandemic, we weren't seeing utilized very often. And now because of the ebb and flow of people not coming or attrition because of exposure, things like that, we're Mm -hmm. seeing that open seating is a model a lot of organizations are using. And I kind of love it. It has reduced the amount of time that people have to focus on every single chair, every single table being filled. And it actually allows a more natural flow of networking you have to set your sponsors up for the expectation Mm -hmm. that they're not going to have a designated spot. And I don't recommend doing a mix of both, like either assign or open. Yes. But the events we've had lately that have chosen open seating Mm -hmm. have created this really unique networking that's been really amazing. And Mm -hmm. I've seen the one or two table hosts that really have an opinion about, I want my group sitting together. They walk in and they go and grab their table and they put, you know, note cards out to indicate that they're taken or they'll leave their coats down, things like that. But I love that idea because it's something that has actually reduced the time and energy for the data manager to actually focus on the things you were talking (laughs) about, which is 
understand who's coming and know a little bit about them in advance. And there's alternative seating, right? So it's not just tables. You could seat in like a theater style or we, some of the really cool events we've seen are cabaret, we're calling them cabaret style, which means, you know, a few seats and then a small table and then a few more seats and a small table. And you kind of, it creates this little community feel um, while you're watching the program and then the food is given out at stations and things like that. So yeah. alternative seating is great for open seating as well. Well, and from the guest experience as well, um, there's there's some freedom in that that mm. we haven't experienced being at these very rigid tin top tables, which <laughs> I don't know how you all are as guests, <laughs> but I want to know who I'm going to be seated next to for the next 12 hours of my right. life while well, I'm being <laughs> held captive. Not 12. <laughs> right. Not 12 now. But at the time, you know, it was like, wow, this is an investment. Who is that? Do I want to right. You're kind of locked in that there's something about that open seating that you can sort of um, be your community within the bigger community. Yeah. And I actually think it tethers people and enhances their engagement levels, which yeah. is what we're trying to capitalize on in the program anyway. So data at the heart of that can really start that experience from the jump. And you're talking a lot about guest experience and Mm -hmm. guests being able to build community. And I think data can become part of our stewardship protocol. So how does good data, a good tool, a good software platform help a nonprofit with their stewardship? I always say that data tells a story. Okay. Um, And what I mean by that is if you're tracking details about your donors, such as contact information. Did they move? Did they not? Did they get married? Did they get whatever it is? Also, not married. Did they not (laughs) get get unmarried? Unmarried. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? Um, Did they even attend any past events in the past year, past two years, three years, whatever that is? Did they give a hundred dollars last year and they're, you know, nothing this year. So it's telling a story about who's engaging with you and your job is sort of to find out why in some cases, you know, and you can do that by looking at the data first and coming to those conversations with that knowledge behind, behind you. So that's really good donor stewardship. When you see that donor, you, maybe you see them post on Facebook and they're talking about something, something, and you can go in and say, Oh my goodness, it's so great to see little Johnny or whatever. Your dog is so cute. Or, you know, and those are little things you can do to start those relationships building and understand, okay, this is a donor I have a relationship with. I want to cultivate that. What's the data behind? What have we been tracking? And if you're tracking minimal information, you won't come prepared to um, get that relationship going and really steward that relationship because people want to be seen. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It all comes down to being seen. Yeah. You and I have this conversation all the time about when bad data shows up, it often shows up as two invitations to our household, Mm. right? (laughs) Or sometimes it shows up in the event even. Sometimes it shows up as three. Sometimes it's an invite to you, an invite to me, and an invite to we. Uh I So if I show up to your event and Sam and I aren't householded, you, you're you likely not going to see a donation from me or you're really going to have to work harder than you should have if yep. you had known that. I think also what's interesting too that I think about in terms of capture mm-hmm. of those relationship bits uh, yeah. as data points is as a donor to your organization, it shouldn't be my fault that your development director leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. I care about your mission. And if all of a sudden I'm brand new to you 
<laughs> when I've had a relationship with you as a donor for five years. Yeah. So data helps you span that yes. gap so that your new development person coming in can pull us up and take a look at and at least have a starting point and act like yeah. we're known. Oh, um, yeah. And so I think that's that's a critical piece of the relationship puzzle as well as how do you set the organization up, not only you mm -hmm. as the person sort of facilitating the relationship. That is so smart. That is so smart. <laughs> I was just talking with someone at an organization who every time they went and met with the donor, they would check their donor database to see the history. And it just helped them, whether or not they met them before. Yeah. And like you were saying, if they met with the other development director and now they're the new one, how cool is it when you meet with a development director and you're sitting there and they know, oh my goodness, I heard that blah, blah, blah. You feel seen. You want to be connected again. Yeah. You, it makes such a difference. It does. It does. Yeah. It's a huge. It's a huge element too of when you're in an event. That connection, that sense of being a part of something that motivates giving, mm. can be such a compelling reason for why people give. But if you have obstacles every step of the way, it removes the donor further and further from feeling connected and engaged. Absolutely. Yep. Totally All right. Agree. When we come back, mm -hmm. I want to talk more details about specific data tools, but let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll dive into that. Sounds good. At Elevate, we believe in bringing people together. Our online learning platform for fundraising events has webinars, workshops, downloadable tools, and more designed to save you time and stress when planning your next event. We're getting nonprofit, development, and event planning professionals the tools and ideas they need to create events that inspire donors and raise more money. So join us at elevatenonprofit.com. The link is also in our show notes. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Mary Elizabeth, the data pro. Hey. Um, so money. Mm-hmm. Big deal. We're all fundraisers here. Yes. So um, spending money is important, making decisions around what kind of tool and how much to spend. So talk to us a little bit about what should folks expect to spend and what do price points look like for a good data tool? Yeah. So it's going to depend on the needs you have, right? But we've got stuff from free mm -hmm. all the way up to like $2,500. So depending on your needs... You've got the free, you know, text to give, and then you've got maybe a mid-range. You can pay about $300 a year for some software tools that are actually quite good. And then you've got sort of the more sledgehammer type ones where you need all the bells and whistles for $1,000, $2,500 and on up. And so those would include all the things for our, up to a hybrid event. So your remote broadcasting and your also having people in person. And so you've got the whole gamut. But I haven't seen much. There are some pricier ones, but about 2500 is the top. And generally, is that per event or for Ooh, good like question. a year? Yeah, it's usually per year. Oh, okay. And often it's just unlimited events uh, within that software system. So you know, you can you can expect to use that whole for the whole year, no matter how many events you have. Great. And just a small qualifier on the free. Yeah. Oh. Credit card, I think sometimes people hear free and are like, oh, right. you're right. So yeah. just the caveat on that is that um, you would be utilizing it as your credit card processor. So there is a percentage fee on yes. what you run through in credit card processing. So yep. the tool itself, 
free, but then based on sort of what you run through it. And that same goes With for anybody. the all, yeah. all the other ones I quoted. So the percentage is about 2%, 3%, depending on what you're using. And often the processor is Stripe or, you know, a bank of some sort. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. So the past couple of years, we've seen, you know, AI is taking over the world. Technologies are coming at us fast and furious. And the auction platform data event tools is no exception to that. We've seen a ton of new softwares. We've seen a ton of new technologies added to softwares. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of folks responding to needs that arose out of the pandemic and kind of the evolution of fundraising events. So can you talk a little bit about what's out there now? What does the landscape of data tools look like now? Pretty much every software system has upped their game. Okay. And if they haven't, they're declining. <laughs> note they don't to have software. much game left. Yeah, note to software developers. Software friends. Yeah. <laughs> the good software companies listen to the folks using it. Yeah. And they, yeah. they're listening to what their needs are for their events and all the gamut. So there's been a ton of, you know, virtual components, let's for lack of a better word, live broadcasting elements, things you can, you know, live broadcast straight through to the event page kind of thing. We've seen a lot more um, donor recognition by name Mm, within mm -hmm. software tools. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Totally. Absolutely. Huge. If you can find a great, which we'll give you a few, uh, a few software systems that can just scroll the names of the folks who are donating wherever they're donating from, Mm -hmm. whether they're in the room or they're on their phone at home. If you can get their name on the screen and even better verbally be able to say their name out loud, it's a huge boon to to fundraising. Um, in addition to that, we've, we're really seeing the use of the thermometer, mm-hmm. right? So to to gauge the the fundraising that's coming through, and good software systems allow you to control that thermometer a little bit. Yeah. So you can push in some offline donations and really f- uh, create that sense of working together towards that common goal of getting to your goal of raising X amount of dollars. So that's another thing we've seen. The ability to give with mobile devices mm, yeah. is is a new thing we're seeing. I mean, it's always been – all these things have been around. We just weren't really utilizing them. We had to during COVID. So um, some systems have uh, options to print bid cards directly from the software system mm. with QR codes on them that lead people to the donation site, oh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, things are moving super quickly. I mean, I'm getting emails every day from different software companies mm-hmm. saying, here's our new feature, great new registration tools, QR codes to check in. Um, you know, so if you're in the market for some of these software systems and you really want to do a deep dive, go to each one and sign up for their newsletter mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're going to start getting all those things to your inbox too. I got one today, so... One of the benefits that I love that has sort of been a newer addition to software platforms is the volume of communication you can do through the software platform to your guests, including things like text to give. I mean, the ability to be able to text all your guests and say, don't forget, you know, this is what you're going to need to know when you arrive, or this is where parking is located, Mm. and right away be able to say thank you for your giving. I mean, there's so many tools now that allow us to communicate directly via email, via text to give, but also the ability for the guest 
to manage their own guest I was just going to say that. Yeah, the the guest being able to manage their own experience has yeah. been a big um, upgrade on some mm-hmm. of these platforms. So whether they're a, a host of the table, they can fill in all of their guest names or maybe they're a guest of that table host right. and they can go in and fill in their information. I'm hoping our data people are hearing this the, yeah. because this think key. of the amount of time and run yeah. up to your event where those guest lists and getting names to the seats and mm-hmm. the information and all the things that if you can sort of enfranchise people and empower them to manage that on their own, yes. that comes off your plate. Yeah, what comes on your plate is just continual yeah. reminders. Yeah, right. But often they can come straight from the software tool. So it makes it really easy. And then you've got the software tools that have auctions that give text to people who saying, you're outbid <laughs> or, hey, right. this this one's going quick. You're closing. You know, the auction's closing soon. So all those little reminders, those communications to the guest, the guest the day before gets their QR code to come in and easily check through. There's a ton of those things come, going on now, which is makes for a great, great experience. The key still is knowing your guest list and preparing your data for it. Yeah. I I have a little cautionary tale, too, in that we can kind of over-inundate our guests. (laughs) And one of the experiences I had at an event was that they had a – promotion or a text that was reminding folks about when the auction closed and they sat everyone down for dinner. They started the program and then we all got a buzz on our phone that the auction was about to close and the silent auction closing overlapped with their program Mm. and they had probably a hundred people stand up and go running to the auction tables Mm -hmm. and lost them in the program. So that idea of making sure that you're thinking about your audience's time and attention and keeping them focused on the thing that's most important don't use the the ease yeah. of text to give as a way to interrupt your program. Mm, smart. E- make sure that your program is the focus during your program. Yep. yep. I'm wondering if we can get specific a little bit, um, thinking of sort of two two ends of the spectrum around shops and size shops and mm-hmm. events so that you can give them sort of a more dialed idea of what sort of tool yep. they're looking at. So let's say I am working with an event that is a really big gala, hundreds of guests. I've got Games, I've got auction, you name it. I'm mm-hmm. doing the gala bells and whistles. What kind of tool should I be looking for yeah. to help me manage that event? Yeah, great question. The tools I recommend for larger events with a lot of activities, bid paddles, assigned seating, those are the tools. Greater giving is mm-hmm. a tool. One cause is a great tool. Also, Octria, those three, um, along with some others um, that I'm learning about, but those three are really good ones that have all the features you want to successfully, you know, make your event go smoothly. What if I am a very small grassroots shop? I do not have a budget for a big tool or a tool at all. And yet I understand that data and management and all of those pieces are going to help me enhance the experience of the event I'm working on. What would you suggest for me? Yeah. We found a new tool called Paybee, which is super uh, cost effective for folks. Um, It's and it can do a lot of the bells and whistles as well. So that's a really good one if you're tight on budget um, and you'd still have all the games and the assigned seating and things like that. Paybee's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other tools. Give Lively is a great free with credit card fees mm-hmm. uh, tool that is utilized for a text to give option uh, and basic RSVP type stuff. Um, and then 
I have also used things like G sheets where you're, if it's a small event and you're not doing a lot of fundraising or you're doing fundraising with Give Lively and you just need a simple check-in system that can be updated in real time for any volunteer that's sitting in front of their computer, it's easy. G sheets, it updates in real time and everyone can be in it at the same time. So, I mean, simple spreadsheets as long as you're setting it up right. Yeah, awesome. I think that that is the, the fundraising tool that everyone has used for decades is the yeah. spreadsheet. And now it's an evolution of when to make that choice versus right. a, a more robust tool. That's right. And we'll get into that, I think. All right. Well, Soon. let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll dive into very specific examples so people can help have some guidance about choosing the right tool. Great. Thanks. The Fundraising Elevator is recorded at the AV Department in Portland, Oregon. For years, they've been our trusted partner, delivering exceptional audiovisual production and videography for nonprofits. In 2020, they transformed into a dynamic live streaming studio, producing more than 900 virtual and hybrid events. Now, we embark on an exciting journey together to bring you this podcast. Seeking the best in live events, video production, and live streaming? We proudly recommend our friends at the AV department. Link in the episode description. All right, we're back. Let's dive into specific tools and the choices that we make in order to inform us. So I'm going to just throw out a bunch of examples for you, and you tell me what choice you would make. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> a little game sort of It's sorts. sort of like a game show. Yeah, I yeah. Have data tools. I love it. I'll give you the buzzer if it's not the right tool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, let's focus first on sort of a crowdsource idea. We have a local sports team that wants to do a fundraising event for us. We don't really know our donors. We're not collecting a lot of information because it's it's just sort of a call to action at the event. We want a really simple way for people to give when they attend the hockey game. What yeah. would you use for that? Give Lively. Okay. So yep. Give Lively, a free tool. Yep. And the giving is a text to give, right? Yes. You have a code. It's very simple. They can log in and use text to give. Yep, exactly. Okay. What about an event where there's actually not a gathering of any kind? We're just doing an online auction. Mm. It's just a promotion that we're sending out sort of to our more transactional donors, an opportunity for them to bid on one of 10 trips. Mm -hmm. And it's just an online auction as a campaign. Yeah. I would either use uh, Greater Giving or One Cause. Okay. So an online auction platform included yep. in both of those. Mm -hmm. Well, what about if we're gathering just a small group of people together? There's no ticket. It's a free event. This is really a donor thank you event. We're gathering folks together, but we want like an RSVP of some sort. Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. I might use Google Forms Okay. in that case. If there's no ticket cost, either that or Give Lively. If there's no fundraising, though, is there fundraising? No, let's say no fundraising. Then I would do use a simple Google form. That is a absolutely free. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then it you can spit out a, a G sheet from that form automatically. And then you can create like a little column that has checkboxes where you can then when they arrive, you can check them in if you want to, or you can just have them arrive and that's fine too. Okay. What about a more complicated, all the bells and whistles we have an organization this fall that is planning to have about 1,200 people at their event. We expect that folks are going to be arriving because it's a Friday night. So folks are going to be arriving probably close to the same time. They're all going to be coming from work. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to include a live auction, a paddle raise, and also several different raffle and game activities. Mm -hmm. I would actually use Greater Giving, One Cause, or a Paybee for, for this type of event. Okay. Because... 
if you can keep it all in one software system, we often combine, we often uh-huh. kind of do a couple, you know, we can use G forms and uh, one cause, or we can use, you know, we can combine things together to make what we want. But in this case, I would say, let's try to keep it all in one software okay. system that can do it all. And, and any, all three of those could do it all. Okay. So what if I add a complicating layer? We want to stream on the platform. Yep. So Payby does a great job of that. And okay. one cause does too. Okay. Um, greater giving can, uh, it, it's a little, uh, more difficult to gather donations from uh, viewers who are watching from home, but it's doable. Okay. So all three of those can stream. What if I want the ability to have a list of names of donors that aren't Mm. in the room, but I want them recognized because they made a gift in advance? Yeah. So all three of them have um, what's called like donor pledge boards or recognition boards that you can customize in certain ways. Um, One cause does a really great job of the list of names, no matter where you're giving from, but you have to understand that you have to have someone at the event entering in those bid paddles while those bid paddles go up and uh, the automatic, the folks who donate from home automatically get their name in the scroll. So the scroll goes up and it's great the names go by and you, you know, you just start seeing them tick off. Greater Giving also has a scroll that goes side to side or up and down. There's, there's different ones that go, um, that you can utilize. You just kind of have to pick which one you like the best. Okay. So a lot of those I think will depend upon what your infrastructure is. Yes. Great. And like how many people you have to support. That's right. So I always think of, um, you know, any of those tools do require some sort of technical support where you have computers mm-hmm. being set up and sometimes even printers being set up. But what about actual execution of like controlling the thermometer? Yeah. Is there one that's easier than another? That is a great question. Um, in my opinion, uh, I would say one cause is okay. really great to help with controlling the thermometer and understanding. So like if I have a matching gift, I can enter that match yep. and see the thermometer go yep. up, even though that donor is obviously not making right. their match in the moment. That's right. You can do it in greater giving as well. You just do it through different ways. And with greater giving, things show up in the thermometer depending on where they're coming from. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So like if you create this type of thermometer, these things will show up in that thermometer. There's also another thermometer over here. Oh. So it can kind of get like, you don't know which one to use. It can dissect it down. You can dissect yeah. it down okay. if you need to. So that's kind of cool. One cause also has that ability as well. Um, they're all similar. You just get to them in a different way. Yeah. So. Well, and I think the other question that a lot of people have about their tool is how do they have an event platform that talks to their CRM tool? Because their CRM oh, tool yes. is often where their like most robust data is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think there's a universal to this. I think that there's not the ease of tools that naturally just sort of cross communicate and you don't have to do anything. You always have to have an element of interaction. And oftentimes it's simply that they export in a similar fashion that allows import. But is there a tool that you've identified that talks to other platforms easier or is more user-friendly in that way? I have yet to, honestly, I have yet to find a tool that's super easy to export information into another database. Yeah. 
it takes some time. If you are, if you're a database person out there, you know what I'm talking about because you're, you end your event and you need to get all that information from your event software into your donor database where that's where people are going to be getting the information from in your organization, right? So if there are these separate software systems, it depends on what your donor database system is. Yeah. If you have Salesforce, so certain event software systems talk to Salesforce easily. If you have Razor's Edge, certain ones talk to that more easily. You're always going to have to spend some time, and this is your donor, your database, your this is okay. So you have to understand <laughs> that data is your unsung hero yes, of your true. event and of your whole organization, truthfully. So don't underestimate your donor database manager. Yeah. yeah. That is an important role. Like you don't know how important that is. It's so important. They're carrying all of that information. So if you have a great donor database manager or you've prioritized that in your organization, you're going to find success that yeah. no matter what yeah. tools you're using, they're going to be able to manage that for you. But there are little, it is difficult to get through. Well, and I think thinking through the whole trajectory of how you're going to use your data, I think that's what I'm hearing. And I think that's super critical for folks to think about. Like we were just talking about, like, I want to do these activities and do these things. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm picking a tool. But I think also understanding what it's interfacing with, who's utilizing it, yes. and how to get the data back home to where you need it yep. so you can use it moving forward is also a component of your decision. Yeah. Agree. And you can ask if you're shopping uh, software tools, you can ask the software salesperson, yeah. hey, what donor databases does this uh, is this Connect really compatible to. with? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That could be a factor. Mary, let's get in the fundraising elevator. Let's go okay. up to the penthouse for a minute. Can you talk to us? Um, mm -hmm. I, I think sort of specific examples can help folks too. Can you talk about an event where you saw the experience of data really enhance the guest experience? Yeah. All right. I'm going to talk about an event that we had last spring where – the need was that this venue needed to be, we could only be in the venue to set up for a really small amount of time. Yeah. So we didn't have much time to set up, right? <laughs> and then the location where we could put registration at was not very big. Okay. <laughs> so this is a common challenge. It is. A lot of people. This yeah. Is, this yeah. is real life. Yeah. And so, and the real space we couldn't get into until like an hour before the event. So okay. we, we had to sort of split things up. The data became extremely imperative in order to pull this off. So that's why this event got pulled off is because the data was amazing and it sort of worked together. An amazing data manager. Uh, amazing Ew. data manager. Yes, we did have an amazing data manager. So the way this worked was um, we had signage to show where people could go. Okay. We had greeters. Great. Greeting folks and showing them go this way to get checked in. On their way to the registration table, they had uh, name tags for everyone. Their name tag had their name. It was alphabetized by last name. Last name. It had last name. <laughs> and they were just laid out on the table. But there was a volunteer there at the table to help folks if they couldn't find their name. Great. And then the bid number and their table number were on the name tag. Okay. Okay. So I grab my name tag. I put it on. I walk over to these three bistro tables because remember, a small location yeah. for registration. Three bistro tables. We had little Chromebooks where we were just simply swiping credit cards. And it was great because 
once they had their name tag on, you could see the bid number. So you didn't oh, have to ask for their right. name. You literally could type in their bid number into the software system and they would come up and you could check them in and you wouldn't have to, it, it was loud. So it was, it was beautiful. So we swiped their card. Most of these folks were pre-registered. I'd say about half of them were pre-registered. What that means is they went online earlier and gave us gave their, their credit card information. Okay. Exactly. So they verified, we just verified it. Great. looks like we have a credit card on file. You're all checked in move on in. Now, if there wasn't a credit card on file, we swiped it. And if there wasn't information, we had the little um, card, contact card to give them said, oh, looks like we're missing your email. Circle that. Go over there, fill that in and drop it in the basket. So I want to recap a couple yep. of things. The name tag mm -hmm. told them where to go sit. Is yes. that right? It did. So how did they get their bid card? Yep. Yeah, That's great question. question. So the bid card ad actually was we're waiting for them at the tables oh, in okay. this case. And we don't always do that. I know I talked about having the bid cards numerical order behind and giving them that. In this case, they were utilizing the name tags. To seat their to, guests. Yeah, to, yeah. to expedite the whole process. But you can't do name tags if you don't have good data. Right. So- they were in constant communication with their sponsors. They were in constant communication with their table hosts, gathering that information. Plus, they were then contacting uh, the the guests and saying, hey, do you want to pre-register your card, your credit card? So all of that hap work happened prior to the event. Now, because we knew we had good data in that particular experience, you did something in addition that just was like the cherry on top for the fundraising moment, which was we were doing all paddles in the room yep. and those paddles were at the table. So the auctioneer told folks, Oh yeah, grab your, your paddle, make sure you have the right one. Otherwise you're going to be spending your neighbor's money. So that kind of like gave everyone the incentive to make sure they had the right paddle. But the thing that you added to this paddle was their full name in a big font so that we saw both the number and their name. And the auctioneer that was on stage was able to actually thank people by name. Mm -hmm. In most cases, she was able to read the name and thank them. Yep. Susan, thank you so much. Jim, thank you so much. You know, she was mm -hmm. able to specifically call people out. And I think it was something that people came to the organization about afterwards, mm -hmm. that it just made that giving experience so special. A lot of people are like, how'd she do that? Mm -hmm. But it just was sort of like took it to the next level. Yeah. When we did the bid cards, it was important to me. Not everyone's going to remember, even on a name tag, they have to kind of look, what, mm -hmm. no, what's my bid mm -hmm. number? Um, so I wanted to make sure that their name was really clear on their yeah. bid card. So when they did go to the table, oh, there's my name, you know, and then that way it was so cool that Sam, thank you for your $50. And they're like, how do you know my name? Oh, <laughs> it's like a nice little surprise. Yeah. It's yeah. seemingly they're simple pieces mm -hmm. that increase the experience, but it doesn't mean they're easy. So and true. So I think really thinking through that whole experience and how you want to do it really underscores having that base information be right on the money. And mm -hmm. then with good data, these are all the amazing things you can do for people at your yeah, event. That's right. And and if you don't have the data, you don't need to do this. Don't whole swing thing. for the fences. Don't yeah. don't have name tags, y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? If you have question marks, there are things yeah. you shouldn't do because once you flub the registration yeah. for somebody, just like I was saying, yes. I'm not gonna spend money if you flubbed me. Like it just diminishes their experience of your mm -hmm. event, and that can be the easiest way to set yourself up for success. Yeah. yeah. So let's jump back in the elevator. Let's go down to the boiler okay. room. 
which is where all the magic happens, all the mechanicals are. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back. You've presented us so much great information. If people walk away with mm. top three tools slash things they can do to improve their registration, what would your top three be? Oh, mm. You're asking me for three. I wrote down five, uh, six. Okay, <laughs> three to five. <laughs> um, I think one imperative is good communication with your guests. Yep. Whether that's through a sponsor, table host, or the guests themselves. Yeah. Good communication. Great. Flow between. Yep. Okay. That's number one. Um, enough volunteers to pull off what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Great. <laughs> so mm-hmm. l- we've talked about it, several positions volunteers can yep. fill and they don't have to be long. It can be like the first couple hours of, yeah. you yeah. know, cause once the, the stuff, once the event's running, you can have two or three folks lean back and, and do all the data entry and check people out. Not a lot of people are going to check out if you have great, you know, data going into it. Um, event software that's prepped and all ready to go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're well-versed mm-hmm. in how to do it. <laughs> so you could train your volunteers when you get there. Um, bring a printer or two if possible. <laughs> Little things. Yeah. yeah. You never know what you need that printer for. If you're able to bring a printer, do so. Great. It's helpful. Um, have those printed materials on site signage, the bid cards. Just be prepared. Your live auction packages, your your gift certificates for your yeah. auction. Oh, make sure they're all in order. Have a system have a system. It's going to be- By package number. By package number. Package number. <laughs> Order your gift certificates by package number. So you can simply just go, here you go. Right. Here's your package number three. You want it. Um, and then that help station with a knowledgeable yep. organizational person, preferably the one who's done the data. Yeah. Um, having that help station is imperative as well. So your help station should be the one role, not volunteer staff. Correct. Yeah. It's interesting too, because that's the person that's going to know all of the prior conversations. So when someone comes up and is like, remember, I called you and told you, they're like, yeah, I do remember Mm because I was the one you talked to. And that builds that relationship. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So people are going to have a ton of questions. They're going to want help assessing their data tool. They're going to want help figuring out how to get their data tool to talk to their CRM. (laughs) They're going to want to learn how to set up their data tool. So how do people get a hold of you? Yeah. So you can find me at swamestrategies.com. And in the show notes, you can also book consulting time with me. If you want want one-on-one time with me, I'm available, y'all. So you just go to swamestrategies.com, go in the show notes. Um, There's going to be a link that you can book some time with me if you'd like. So I'm available. Sometimes that like one hour with someone who knows all the ins and outs that can just like be able to take a look and be like the backup for me Mm -hmm. before I go into an event is just so valuable. So yeah. And you can, you can come and talk to me before you've selected the tool. Yeah. After you've selected the tool. Anytime y'all. I'm, right. I'm up for the data conversations. We we get the benefit of working with you every day, <laughs> and you are a data genius. <laughs> Thank you. I think I say that about four times a day. And um, so your data can be your secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you just need the support to get it there. Yeah. So Mary's a great resource for that. Well, we're going to have you back to talk about the data journey in future episodes, but thank you for joining us today. We're glad you were able to join us in the fundraising elevator and go for a little ride. And we appreciate all of your expertise sharing with our audience. Thank you. So glad to be here. Yeah. 
The Fundraising Elevator is produced in partnership with Swaim Strategies at the studios of the AV department. The program is produced by April Clark and directed by Steve Osborne, with audio engineering and original music by Dwayne Anderson and Heidi Christensen. Video production by Chris Peterson, Whitney Gomes, and Nathan Bouquet. Video editing by Steve Osborne. Graphic design by Pendulum Creative Group and support from Sophia Keller, John Lyles, and Andy Dowsett.